Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Tom Bernard Show. Sitting in for Tom Bernard, I'm Dave Schrader, along with... JB. Andy Bernard. Cassie Schrader. We'll be back with more of the Tom Bernard Show. Doug Sprinthal, Walzer Automotive Group, Walzer.com. Tell us about this warranty for life thing. I, you, know, you know, you understand a lot more about this than I do. Well, of course. I know you're not an automotive mechanic. So let me tell you a cool story. This just happened a couple of days ago. I got an email. Somebody emailed me at Doug at Walzer.com, and he goes, Hey, I bought a 2004. Five, and I think it was a Honda Accord back in 2014, having some problems with the engine. Uh, do I have any coverage? So I called the Honda store. We looked it up, and sure enough, the card qualified for a lifetime powertrain warranty. So it had to be under 60,000 miles at the time of purchase, uh, non-highline vehicle. And they covered the engine repair. Think about what that means. That's a 13-year-old car, and the guy got his engine replaced. It doesn't cover every single thing on the car, but all the, it's like major medical coverage. So the engine goes bad, transmission, four-wheel drive system. You're covered as long as you own the car, as long as you maintain it to factory standards. It's pretty cool. It actually is really cool. Well, I mean, it's a lot cooler than you or me. Well, it is really cool, though. Yeah, I mean, you know, 15-year-old car. And that's why I buy all my cars, and my family buys all their cars from Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com, because of warranty for life. And you like working with me, too, right, Tommy? Tommy? Tom? I, I don't think he's there. <laughs> That's really nice. Very professionally <laughs> delivered from Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt and talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. 
It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? And, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. Is this Boys to Men? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is requested by JB. It's my second favorite Christmas song. What's your first? Uh, the Christmas song by Nat King Cole. Oh, yeah. very nice. That was always the first song my dad played on Christmas Day. Is that Little Girls and Little Boys Dream Worlds Filled with Toys? No. Or no, that's that's the one that dad loves. That's, um, mm-hmm. uh, who is that? Brooks, Brooke Benton. Yeah. Oh. No, the Christmas oh. song. Um, I'm sure I've heard it. Chestnuts. Oh, okay, yeah. An open fire. Yeah. That one, yeah. All right. Uh, it, although your singing may leave a little bit of desire yes. there, JB. We mm-hmm. do have uh, musician Joanne Parker, who was with us on Tuesday, is back today, unfortunately, on a bit of a darker note. On Wednesday, 21-year-old Sarah Pappenheim was fatally stabbed by her roommate in Rotterdam, ne- Netherlands. Uh, Joanne, you were friends with uh, with Sarah? Yeah, yeah, we met a few years ago at uh, one of the blues jams. That's where she started out uh, going to one of the one of the weekly blues jams here in town. And right, she was a drummer. A drummer. Yeah. And, uh, yep, yeah, mm-hmm, very good one too. And uh, started going when she was like sixteen. I met her when she was about going to be eighteen. Um, so I've known her for a few years. And she was uh, she's from Minnesota, but was living in in Rotterdam and studying psychology. Is that right? Right. Yep. And, uh, boy, just uh, such tragedy. She was studying uh, psychology with an emphasis in suicide, which took her 21-year-old brother's life three years ago. Um, what do we know about what happened to Sarah Pappenheim at this time? What, uh, what occurred, if you could walk us through this? Uh, the only thing that we really know is that she had this roommate who had been kind of escalating uh, in mood swings. And uh, she came home, and there was some kind of argument, and then he, the stabbing occurred. As that's, and then he tried to get away. Um, he was found on a train about an hour away, and uh, that's really all we know right now. now not, I thought I read in one of the articles that Sarah had um, been saying that her, her roommate was acting kind of out of control. Her mom had even asked her not to go back there. And she wasn't real worried. She thought, oh, no, my roommate would never hurt me, um, according to the articles, right. again, that I glanced at. But she did agree that to kind of stay away, she only went home quick enough when she thought her roommate would be gone to get her clothes, and that's yeah. when this attack took place. Right. Yeah. Oh, there had been a couple escalating events over the last couple of weeks that were kind of getting weird. Yeah. So, Do we yeah. know anything about this roommate? I mean, was it is it a chemical dependency issue? Is it a psychological issue? Um, I'm leaning towards psychological issue. I don't know of any chemical stuff, um, but again, I don't. You know, they think they had a connection with some with music at first and and got along okay, um, but things just kept escalating. And you know, Sarah's the kind of person who wanted to help people. You know, she wanted to be friends with people because she thought she could help them. And unfortunately, when you're that kind of person, a lot of times you're around unstable people you know yeah. those are the people who get in harm's way you know and she just wanted to help so oh what a an absolute heartbreaking tragedy now that it doesn't unfortunately end there with the tragedy that this 
this murder took place uh, far away in the Netherlands and transporting um, the remains and, and bringing her back is quite expensive. So I know that you've kind of spearheaded this project to help with the GoFundMe. And maybe you could talk a little bit about that and what people can do, how they can get involved. Yeah, well, it's going fantastically. Uh, it's only been about 24 hours and we're up over $30,000 already. So the com- like now it's countrywide. So the nation has just been, <laughs> it's been pretty amazing watching that number climb. But, but yeah, we don't really know the cost right now. You know, um, you know, they're, they're estimating that it could cost around $15,000 just to bring Sarah home. Um, you know, and then of course there's all the other costs uh, right. involved with the funeral and, and, um, you know, and eventually it's going to be a trial, you know what I mean? So right. I mean, there's just all kinds of unknown costs at this point. So I wanted to, to just try and alleviate some of that financial burden because, you know, we want to help and that's just something tangible that we could do for them to show them we care because, you know, you don't really know what else to do at this point. But um, so people have really been great. The, the GoFundMe is still up. Um, I wanted to put my face on it because then I thought it would be, you know, you could see I'm kind of a public figure around here so people could see it with me and, the, you know, it would be able to trust it. Um, and, and then also share it with all my music friends around the country. And so it's out there. It's got my name on it. Please be careful. There's then, of course, you know, scumbags making fake profiles of me and then having mm-hmm. fake, you know, like go, go fund me pages. So just make sure when you look at it, that it's, you know, it's the go fund me. It's under Joanne Parker and it says Danae Odegaard on there. That is Sarah's mom. And we'll, um, we'll make sure to post is, the official link on the Tom Bernard yes, podcast on, page and, and uh, uh, social media. Yeah. Yep. So, and if the people need it, it's on my, my Facebook fan page for my music. So you can go there and find it. That's the right one. Um, cause there's only one of those. So, um, yeah, but people have been really responsive, and it's just really great. I talked to her mom this morning, and she's just so grateful. And she said when, you know, of course, when she has uh, a moment and gets her wits about her, she will would love to thank people. But they're on their way to the Netherlands this afternoon. I can't um, even begin yeah. to imagine what that would be like. And uh, thank you for stepping up. I know, I know not only is this a loss of a friend, but uh, doing doing this to help out the family in in a moment like this at unfortunately at this time of year it's horrible for all involved but joanne thank you for doing what you're doing yeah you're welcome and also just so people know also there's going to be a benefit at some point with local musicians and things too so stay tuned for that as well so that'll be something that everybody can you know come celebrate sarah's life at as well thank you uh we'll put up as i said we'll put up links for that and uh, keep people abreast of what's going on with it. You're at $31,126 of the $40,000 current goal. So if you guys can right. keep helping give, this is the time of the season to give from your heart, and this is a very worthy cause so that a family can be uh, reunited with their daughter so they can put her to rest and and not be taxed by this any more than it's already going to do. So uh, we'll, we'll promote that and get it out on all the social media sites so you can have the official link as well. Thank you so much for being a part of this and, and for calling in today, Joanne. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. And we'll we'll have you back on in a more joyous time and uh, revisit. Um, I'm getting I'm getting great response. People are telling me they've got your album after hearing you and absolutely love the the music and album. So uh, there's that as oh, well. Oh, great. Yeah, thank Fantastic. you. Thank you again for being here. All um, right. Thank you. Take care. Take care. Uh, yeah. Real tragedy. Uh, just unbelievable. I mean, it's. Uh, 
and to have to go through that as a parent, I can't even imagine. And I got to tell you, she brought up a, a really um, sad and valid point. You have to be careful with some of these. Mm-hmm. Uh, being a radio personality and for the last 13 years, I've had a lot of people, and I have a big heart, you know, that reach out looking for help financially. Yeah. And um, we've posted, and I've actually now I stopped, you know, we do prayer and healing requests on our page all the time. That I don't mind. When people start asking me to add the GoFundMe, I've had to back it off. Because mm-hmm. I said, first of all, we get 60 to 100 of these requests a month, and I can't turn into a, ch- a community charity board. Right. Um, the other thing is I just don't have the time to vet all of the uh, claims that are being made. And then There's they're like, well, why would I lie? And I'm there. like, yeah. We, when we started doing this, there was a family in need. And we would do these live charity auctions at our, at our live events where we would raise thousands of dollars to help you know, animal shelters, battered women's shelters, Shriners Children's Hospital, and this family that we we thought we knew, who would attend our events, uh, told us how their mother was dying of cancer. They were behind on bills or were getting ready to shut off electricity, and they weren't asking for financial help, but they were just telling us a story. And we decided, let's make this right. So the celebrities from the paranormal community all stepped up. We made donations. We raised, I think, fourteen thousand dollars for them to help turn mm-hmm. on lights keep power going, pay a couple of months of mortgage and, and help them out only to see a few weeks later that the mom recovered within days of the girls getting home. And they had $12,000 worth of new video equipment for their video service that they were doing. Ah. And it really, uh, you know, it really soured me to the idea of of helping. So I'm, I'm very cautious on how we do this and who we help. And, um, you know, we, we were doing Christmas, uh, angel program through a radio show for a while too, where we were helping, uh, families in need uh, that were reaching out, you know, that were really down on their luck for the holidays. And I got to tell you, it touched my heart because I had all of these people pouring in that wanted to help out. And we helped, I think for five, six years, we were helping out anywhere from 10 to 20 families every Christmas with listeners that were sending gifts like crazy. And people were sending pictures of underneath their Christmas tree, and it was beautiful. Um, this year, unfortunately, two of the families that I, I began vetting, I found out we're, we're frauding us, just trying to take advantage of it. And, and so I pulled the plug on doing it this year. Unfortunately, I wasn't getting the kind of response right. from the actual families that needed it. And the two first families that came up right. were, were trying to pull the wool over my eyes. Yeah, I mean, it's sad that there's a ton of scum bucket people out there. Um, yeah. I know uh, I have seven siblings that live in St. Louis and a brother that lives in Atlanta. And in the past few years, we've kind of, I've uh, done fam- w- somebody will suggest a family where they know the family is actually in need right and what the needs are and will attack those needs mm-hmm. like the dad was by himself raising teenagers this that and the other was having trouble he had a job but wanted something different but had trouble finding proper clothing to uh Going employed, right, right. So I had like four suits that I weren't wearing anymore. Sent them home. They were, they we knew they were going to be too big, but then the rest of the family put together money to where he could take it to a clothes men's clothing store. Had them would have them altered, plus could buy new shirts and ties and things like that to go with the suits. You know, to to help him. Plus, right. there was other things like toys for grandchildren and stuff like that. You know, you you really got to if you have a chance, put the time and effort into the backstory 
then then you you know you know who you're dealing with and you can walk away with a clear conscience knowing that you're not being taken advantage of and whatnot so or like now i'll i'll find a a, a young kid that you know i've crossed paths with and they may not even be in need but it's just like you know let them know that other people in the world are thinking about them right and you know give them a toy or a baseball glove or something See, what I've done is now, you know, with the advent of social media, there are times when I'm flipping through and I'll see somebody talking about, you know, boy, this has been a really rough year. And I, you know, they're not asking for handouts or not asking for charity, but you could just see in their posts that they've been dealing with all of these things. And there's been times where we've reached out and just said, you know, hey, how are you guys set for the holidays? How are you set for food? And and they're like, I'm having a really rough time right now. And, you know, I don't think I'm going to have gifts for my kids. I'm not going to have this. And then we've gotten together to send out some stuff and do what we can and that's you know there, there are ways you can reach out and be an angel to a family in need and you don't have to make it a public deal and right. i'm not saying it to try to tout or pat ourselves yep. on the back but you can you can make a make difference it, right and, and it, it doesn't have to be huge but you can make that difference and it, it's, it's, it leaves you with a good feeling yeah but um then there was another facet of that story where it was uh the roommate and you know i have no sympathy for him or whatnot but it speaks to the world trying to get a handle on mental health yeah and you know i've i've never hidden the fact that i suffer from anxiety right i i battle through it on a daily basis i you know i've had therapy in the past and it's just the fact that we put such a stigma on it that people are yeah. afraid to get treatment or help that they're you know that things faster and become worse and worse and worse and they try to handle it themselves or do nothing at all and it just spirals out of control and um you know i i don't want to lock up people just for the sake of locking up people but i just like for us as especially in this country to start looking at it uh in a good-natured way of how do we start helping or making it a less of a stigma where people can help themselves mm-hmm. with that because it's just not it's not an atmosphere right now where people feel like they're comfortable enough to go out and even seek help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've got to, uh, we, we've just got to make more of a, an accepting environment and do what we can to help people. And and this is a season where people really start feeling down and dark because oh, they, yeah. you know they feel inadequate that they're unable to support or help or or make these things. But let me take you out of that mindset too, folks. It's not always about the materialistic. Sometimes it's just about as simple as showing love, right. compassion, and making time for the people in your lives. And if you make time with your kids and do something out of the ordinary with them, that will stay with them much longer than the gift that'll probably be hidden, lost, or broken within the next six yeah. months anyway. Well, I have a friend on Facebook, and she um, recently lost her husband. And most of her posts have been stuff at the gravesite, or I'm right. feeling really down, I'm really tired, and this and the other. And I instant messaged her on Facebook. I said, hey, Robin, you still look at the beautiful young woman that I had a crush on in high school. I mean, we right. never, I've never even told her that until right. about a month or so ago. And I said, um, by the way, you, you, you seem really down, and you sound really down. Please get help. Go right. to your minister. Go talk to him. Sometimes you know, it's just that reaching out. out. It's right. letting somebody know that, that somebody's watching. We, yep. we have to take a break. We'll continue this. And Jeff Belanger will be joining us to talk about strange Christmas traditions. And if you thought the uh, song 
that they've been beating up online. Baby, it's Baby, cold. it's cold outside. <laughs> it's weird. Wait till you hear the truth behind Jingle Bells next Uh-oh. on... <laughs> no, the Tom Bernard Show. <laughs> a program that benefits the homeowner and not the realtor? Do you want a guaranteed offer on your home? Hey, it's Tom with my realtor, Chris Lindahl, who has some exciting news to share. Hey, Tom, we are super excited to announce our guaranteed offer program. Here's how it works. If you qualify, we will guarantee you an offer on your house within 48 hours, which means you could be closing in three weeks. No staging, no cleaning, no decluttering, and of course, no open houses. This is your hassle-free way to sell your home. If you qualify for the program, you will get a competitive offer in 48 hours, period. Sounds like a stress-free way to sell your home. It is, Tom. Some homeowners want the convenience to be able to sell their home quickly without going through the stress of showings, open houses, and so many more headaches, especially if they found their dream home and need to sell fast. You do need to qualify for this program, but that's quick and convenient as well. To see if you qualify for the Guaranteed Offer Program from Chris Lindahl Real Estate, go to chrislindahl.com right now or call 763-401-SOLD. Once again, that's chrislindahl.com, Chris with a K. If you're tired of feeling frustrated because your clothes don't fit like they used to, then Nutramost is for you. Thanks to the Sheehy brothers and staff at Nutramost in Plymouth, I am down 92.5 pounds. The Nutramost program is amazing. I lost over 40 pounds during each of my first two 40-day rounds. You can have great success just like me because Nutramost is customized for each individual person, and the staff at Nutramost will be there for you every step of the way. Start your weight loss journey today and let Nutramost help change your life. Give yourself this wonderful gift or give this program as a present. Nutramost guarantees that you lose 20 pounds or more. Nutramost helped me change my life, and they can help you too. Call 763-333-7337. That's 763-333-7337. I love those jays. I think this may be my very favorite version of the song. Yeah, I like it. The Frank Sinatra. Mm-hmm. Well, we can understand, baby, it's cold outside. It's definitely a date rape song. <laughs> People need to ease back on that. But uh, joining us now on the air as we talk about some crazy Christmas traditions, our good friend Jeff Belanger from our New England's uh, our New England Legends podcast and and show. Uh, he's also the lead writer and researcher for the Ghost Adventures TV series. He's a prolific author in the field of the strange and supernatural. But he is also my go-to guy when it comes to this time of year, talking about the strange and weird traditions that we celebrate and have been forgotten about. Krampus has made its way back into the uh, the stratosphere over the last few years, and we've spent time talking about that. But you've got a couple other fun little uh, characters to introduce us to, and we're going to finally shed some light on the deep, dark truth that is Jingle Bells. Jeff Belanger, welcome back to the show. Hey, Dave. Great to be with you. Thank you very much. So let's uh, let's talk about some of these other fun little uh, weird holiday traditions people might not be familiar with. I know you had a couple <laughs> other characters to share with me. Well, you know, I, uh, we did talk about Krampus quite a bit, and I... I would say he's coming back mainstream bit yeah. by bit, year by year, but he's not alone. There's tons of other ones. How dark do you want to go? <laughs> oh, go take me dark, and then we'll work our way back okay. up. I, I was going to ask okay. you just really quick. Do you know why Krampus is making a comeback? Don't call it a comeback. <laughs> he's been here for years. <laughs> <laughs> because of a TV. Because we need him. 
No, because no, a, we need him. A, a TV show. <laughs> no, a, we need him, JB. You heard him. A TV show called yeah. Adventure Brothers. Oh, was he uh, on there? They they had him featured on. Oh, there. I think it's probably. Well, more he had his own Hollywood movie a couple of years ago, he's and had uh, multiple Hollywood. You know, movies. Oh, has he? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So he's he's really. I, I, the I thing about that. a legend is that. It's there when we need it, you know, and um, whatever it is, he was never quite gone, but I think he's making a comeback because maybe there's something that resonates with us. Yeah, this is a collective decision. It's not up to any one individual. It's not up to a TV show. But I think uh, even possibly darker than Krampus, because Krampus at least is a cohort of Santa, for those who don't know. He goes around and he deals with the bad children by snatching them up on December 5th, taking them back to his lair, and killing them. So <laughs> there's no naughty children left after that. He's the mob enforcer for Santa. <laughs> He's, he really, I picture Santa walking in going, you really disappointed me. Krampus, <laughs> deal with this. Right? <laughs> Santa walks out. Krampus walks in, and it's over. Yeah. Like, that's the last thing you see. Um, but if we go to France, they have Père Futar. And this is a really dark, creepy legend from about a 1,000 years ago. Uh, the story goes there's this local butcher who was really tired of some of the local kids always running around in front of his shop. And one day he abducts three of them, brings them back into his butcher shop, kills them, hacks them up for their, their meat, and puts their meat in salt out in the butcher shop for sale, literally trying to sell the meat of the children to the community, and they didn't know he did it. And everybody's distraught, looking for the children, and St. Nicholas walks into the butcher shop, looks down at the meat, and knows exactly what happened in an instant. And he says to the butcher, I know what you did. And in that moment, he resurrects the children from the dead, back to their whole selves, reunites them with the family, and they're, they're so happy. But the butcher still has to be dealt with. And he feels so contrite. He feels horrible. And he looks at St. Nicholas and he says, I'm so sorry. I'm a monster. What can I do? And St. Nicholas says, you're going to work for me. You will become Père Futar, which means Father Whipper. And no more butchering bad children. You're just going to beat them. <laughs> See, there's the compassion we miss at this time of year. St. Nicholas and there the compassion of no more chopping children up and eating them. Let's just beat them into submission. Well, I didn't know Santa had the That's power exactly. of resurrection. It's... Oh, Impressive. Yeah, only in, only in that one story have I found that he could not only resurrect the dead, but like piece you back together and resurrect the dead, which yeah. I think is way better than just raising a dead body. I mean, at least a dead body's whole, right? Yeah. This is this is pieces. So uh, so from that point on, uh, Père Futar goes forward and he's dressed often very festive, but he carries a whip and he will whip the naughty children so that they can be good <laughs> by Christmas. Very simple. Very simple to but, the uh, Belschnickel. But but he's dressed very festive, so that's nice. Yeah, it's kind of, of like a fetish, a fetish I club. I got it. Yeah. Oh, I like that outfit. That's really... Oh, God. Ow. <laughs> right? So, yeah. So, Père Futar, uh, definitely one of the dark ones. Uh, one of the funnier ones comes from Bulgaria. It's called the, the Karakonkalis. And this one is a shapeshifter. So, what's, what's a little scary about the Karakonkalis is that he's been known to, to stand on street corners. And he can, in his natural state, he's a beast, a horned beast, big and hairy and... And, and very frightening, and he's going to ask you a riddle. And if you get the answer wrong, he bops you on the head and kills you. But uh, the, the riddle answer, by the way, must have the word black in it. Whatever, whatever he asks you, make sure the word black is in the answer, and then you stand a chance of surviving. But what makes him a little scarier is that he's a shapeshifter. He can look like anything he wants. And on Christmas Eve, he can even look like old Aunt Gertrude. So I'm just saying... If someone knocks at your door Christmas Eve and you look out and you see Aunt Gertrude, 
Maybe it's not. And I say play it safe. Don't let her in. It could be the Karakonkalis. <laughs> Keep on dirty out there. Just in case you don't want this shape-shifting monster in your house. Just, you know, play it, play it safe. Boy, you take all the fun out of the holidays, <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> no, I had heard something that in Australia, their version of Santa Claus is black. Or, like, they, like, put on black... Uh, a black face or something, and he has a different that name. That's Black Peter. But, yeah. Yes. So Black Peter. Oh, yeah. 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 So he's from the Netherlands, mm-hmm. actually. Okay. And that, that's a legend that's going away. So uh, that story comes from a time when Santa rescued a moor child, a black child, rescued, quote, uh, enslaved, really, is what he did. And so he took on this slave child to do his bidding, and the slave child had to do the dirty work. He would accompany St. Nicholas around, and he would deal with the naughty children. Sometimes it was just pulling them aside so they couldn't get any presents. But if they were more naughty, he might beat them. And if they were really, really naughty, he might actually abduct them. And over in the Netherlands, they still celebrate Black Peter by a white person, always a white person, dressed in blackface. <laughs> and this is racist. It's, it's racist. Um, and Thanks it for also clarifying that, Jeff. I wasn't sure. <laughs> well, you know, Dave, in today's world, I'm not sure. That is right. Sometimes you got to lay it out. Yep. But why, <laughs> why I had heard it from Jeff was a black female comedian who had married a yeah. white guy from the Netherlands and the family celebrated Christmas that way and some they would always discuss who was going to be black Pete that year yeah yeah and and so people are getting there's <laughs> protests now and and people are getting arrested number one people don't want to see white people in blackface and number two uh, no one likes to think as, as Santa Claus taking on slaves. I mean, sounds like he's taken more than one count. slave. Yeah, what do you think the elves are? Right. <laughs> That's, I know. No, exactly right. They're uh, they're his his horde of slaves. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that's that's a story that's kind of kind of going away. Um, because society's changing. It's just like maybe it's cold outside. I mean, that's that's a that's a thing too. And while I'm not for banning that song, I just don't think it holds up. It's definitely, as Dave said, a little date rapey. <laughs> <laughs> date rapey. Well, again, if you look at the the way it was originally uh, meant, it's supposed to be a flirty song between right. a, a man and a woman courting or a husband and wife trying to play off each other. So people are just, you know, I do believe they're taking it way too too seriously. Sure. But you you told me that if if we thought "Baby It's Cold Outside" had kind of a weird meaning. Breaking down jingle bells is going to kind of shake some paradigms today. We're gonna we're gonna destroy minds right now. Are okay, you ready? I'm ready. Take me down so, the road. <laughs> the song "Jingle Bells," which we all know, number one, is not a Christmas song. The word Christmas is not mentioned once, and we're going to go through the lyrics in a second. It was uh, written in uh, uh, Medford, Massachusetts, by James Pierpont. Uh, who was a Boston native, and he wrote about these sleigh races that used to take place in Medford. And there's a plaque right on High Street that says this is where he composed it in this old public house. He went and knocked it out on the piano. But if you look at the lyrics, they are seriously, have have to do with a sleigh race, sure, but really what this song is about is a booty call. (laughs) And if you look at each verse, (laughs) you are never going to hear it the same Again, so we'll, we'll run through it. Dashing through the snow in a one-horse open sleigh, or the fields we go, laughing all the way. Pretty straightforward. Bells on bobtail ring, so you've got a horse with a bobtail because his butt is right in your face if you're the driver. Mm-hmm. Making spirits bright. Spirits. Very important word here in the first verse. Spirits could mean your mood, but it could also mean... Booze. Alcohol. Yeah. There's booze involved. And so, uh, and you could say, well, I don't know, Jeff, maybe you're interpreting that wrong. 
oh, what fun to ride and sing a slang song tonight, jingle bells, yada, yada, fine. But in the second verse, we start to get more clues. So we're out there, and maybe our spirits are bright, maybe our alcohol is bright. But in the second verse, it says, a day or two ago, I thought I'd take a ride, and soon Miss Fanny Bright was seated by my side. Miss Fanny Bright. She's single. She's a lady. Oh, okay. And I heard, heard it on good authority that she's hot. <laughs> so she's, she's by his side, uh-huh. and they are unescorted. There's no chaperone. There's no adult supervision. And there were spirits that were bright. So we've been drinking. We got a lady. Uh-huh. All right. Already? It, we're about to go totally blue now. If there's young children listening, just run. So the horse was lean and lank. Misfortune seemed his lot. He got into a drifted bank, and we, we got upsot. I'm sorry. I, 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 you're going to have to bleep that or something. But the word <laughs> upsot. Uh-huh. Is, is really where things get triple X. So upsot is an old-timey word for drunk, right? So you right. could mean like wrecked, uh, mm. like, like we would say wrecked or sloshed. Sure. But upsot literally means upside down or inverted. And while you, you might innocently be reading those lyrics as, well, they got into a drifted bank and the whole carriage just flipped over, maybe, right? Maybe. But it's the next verse that lets us know, no, I don't think that's exactly what's happening. The next verse says, a day or two ago, so we're talking about the same time period, when we picked up Miss Fanny Bright, the story I must tell, I went out to the snow, and on my back I fell. Are you with me? Do I have to interpret that for you, or are you right there with me? I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you. Okay. And this is what seals it all. A gent was riding by in a one-horse open sleigh. He laughed as there I sprawling lie, but quickly drove away. If your carriage, circa 1850s, your sleigh, was flipped over, and there were people lying on the ground, and someone comes along, wouldn't he stop to help? No, he no, didn't stop to help because the sleigh was not. The sleigh wasn't upsot. You and Miss Fanny Bright were upsot or inverted what? or on your back. Uh-huh. And he laughed because he remembers being a young kid, having some drinks, taking the girl out where you're unescorted, and getting upsot. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. And finally, in the last verse, it's just advice. Now the ground is white. Get it while you're young. God, I know, right? <laughs> take the girls tonight. Sing a slang song. Get a bobtail bay. Hitch them to a sleigh and crack. You'll take a lead. He's saying, this worked for me, guys. You should try it, <laughs> This worked for me, guys. <laughs> That's the song. It is about picking up a girl and taking her out on a booty call. And I am no way implying that Meatloaf ripped off Paradise by the Dashboard Light. I am. From Jingle Bell. I am fully but, thinking um, that's what took place. I'm saying there's too many similarities to make me comfortable. <laughs> if you put Phil Rizzuto in this song, holy cow, right? Uh, <laughs> like, you've, you've got Paradise by the Dashboard Light, Jingle Bells, and our little kids sing it every year, and it's all about getting the girl out there and getting upset and drunk and, oh, But most, the most of us, they, they've, they've left that last two stanzas out, it seems, for most uh, iterations yeah, of the songs on the radio. Because that really, that, I mean, that's the story. There's a narrative. To me, to me the thing that, that, truly, that truly seals it is when the guy comes along, laughs, and drives away. He's not laughing at your misfortune. He's laughing because you're getting laid. Right? <laughs> he's like, High five. He's, he's, he's not bothering or disrupting you uh-huh. because he would help. If the sled was flipped over, hit bay. Oh my! Are you okay? Can I offer aid? Is, is anyone hurt? No, he knows no one's hurt. He's like, oh, I see what you're doing. Off I go. Right then, he's watching you. you make that bobtail ring. Yeah, right. And he's on his way. Right. That's right. Yeah. Wow. 
So, yeah. I, I know that you never hear it the same again, especially yeah. when you hear the whole traditional thing. Tune in next week when we tell you what really is meant behind Santa Claus's coming to town. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! Late All right. night on the Tom Bernard show. <laughs> we've got uh, we got one more minute left. How about the Christmas cat? What okay. is it? The Christmas cat is Yule cat. Yes. The Yule cat Yule from cat. Iceland is this cat that comes around, and if if you don't leave him an offering, he's mean and big, and he'll slash you up and he'll eat you. I don't know what makes him any different than any other cat. <laughs> <laughs> In Ireland, you're supposed to leave, uh, in Iceland rather, you're supposed to leave out your brand new clothes as an offering on Christmas Day, and the cat will know if they're not brand new, and he'll attack you. And the idea is that this cat helps drive the economy. You've got to work hard, save your money, and buy new clothes as Christmas gifts and leave them out for the Yule Cat. So this cat actually helps with the Christmas economy over there in Iceland. So don't risk it. Get some brand new duds, lay them out on the bed, and the Yule Cat won't kill you. The Yule Cat, sponsored by Hallmark. <laughs> All right, Jeff Belanger, thank you so much. Uh, you can check out Jeff's uh, podcasts at uh, – where's the best link for people to go to check out your, your uh, weekly podcast? The weekly podcast is called New England Legends, and you can get it anywhere you get your podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever, or you can go to our website, which is OurNewEnglandLegends.com. That's it. We'll come back. Santa Claus has flipped out at a group of kids. We'll talk about that next here on The Tom Bernard Show. Tom Bernard here to tell you, Priority Courier Experts has immediate openings for drivers looking for more. Priority drivers are independent contractors who set their own hours, start from their own driveways, and deliver local on-call parcels and freight, which means you're home for dinner every night, and you get paid weekly. Right now, Priority's driver-friendly lease-to-own program has brand-new dock trucks, flatbeds, curtain sides, and tractor trailers just waiting to be driven home. And Priority is also offering a $4,000 sign-on bonus to qualified drivers. So if you've got the skills, we can get you qualified to start driving a brand new truck in as little as three days. Calling all drivers. Come get the $4,000 sign-on bonus you deserve for all the knowledge and experience you bring to the delivery business. Call our fleet reps right now at 651-748-4477 or visit them online at Priority.com. Priority Courier Experts. Every time you call us, we deliver. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry, This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. Someday at Christmas, men won't be boys. Playing with moms like kids play with toys. What? (laughs) Yeah. Playing with bombs like kids play with toys? <laughs> what is this song? This is Stevie. Mm. Ste- uh, Peace on Christmas Day. I don't think she said bombs, though. It's no. a he. That's Stevie Wonder. It's, right. That's Stevie Wonder? Yeah, I know, right? He says playing it's... with bombs like kids play with toys. Right. Yeah, what's the opening line, though? What's he say? Someday at Christmas, men won't be boys. What? Playing with bombs. And so, so, okay. Maybe bombs meant something else. No, because he's looking for peace on earth. Or she, depending on how you look at it. I (laughs) see. Yeah. Well, let's see when that song came out. Was that during probably around Vietnam? 
Oh yeah, it was. I'm 60s. sure it was. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. hmm. All right, we can't hold back anymore. It's time to. Here we go. Sixty-seven. Out mm-hmm. Santa. Okay, let's out him. Yeah, out Santa. Santa Claus went on a decidedly unmerry rant in England this past Sunday, yelling and cursing at children at a local nonprofit group event. The event, billed as a chance for kids to meet Santa, took place in the same building as an unrelated family-friendly rave. The Guardian <laughs> reports when a smoke machine at the rave set off the fire alarm, forcing the building to be evacuated. The old man playing jolly old St. Nick lost it, allegedly shouting at attendees to get the F out and ripping off his his hat and fake beard. I do think, though, the reason Santa was raging was because they booked a kid's rave on the same day as kids going to see Santa upstairs above the event, says one witness. Oh, yeah. He probably sat there trying to talk to kids with thumping music playing Mm -hmm. and was just pissed off. The fire alarm going off was probably the final straw for him. At least one attendee says a child at the event was distressed as a result of Santa's actions. The nonprofit said Santa was simply trying to assist with the evacuation, CNN reports. The organization apologized in a statement for any offense or distress caused by the attempts to ensure all visitors and staff had exited the building and were safe. I love mm. that they've left it open-ended. Was it really? We, we can choose our own ending here. Was it Santa trying to save the children? And he was just really, get the F out! And <laughs> off his costume? Or had he just lost his mind? I think he had too many kids pee on him. Is that what it is? Probably. Does, does that happen? Do kids pee oh, yeah. on Santa? Or leaky diapers. <laughs> well, here's somebody who won't be peeing on Santa this year. Keith Richards... And Jack Daniels are no longer one of rock music's most famous pairings. The famously hard-partying Rolling Stone tells Rolling Stone that he has now almost completely quit drinking and has given up hard liquor entirely. Mm. Oh, we're going to lose him then. No. <laughs> yeah, really. Right? Right? Yeah, that's the only thing keeping him alive. I th- yeah. think he stopped smoking two years ago. What? So, yeah. He said it's been about a year now, says Richards, who turns 75 next week. Yet we lost David Bowie, Prince, and George Michael all in one year. And the mummy is still alive. (laughs) I pulled the plug on it. I got fed up with it. He says he still has a glass of wine occasionally and a beer. But with liquor, it was just time to quit. Like all the other stuff, Richards has previously said that he quit drugs after a 1977 arrest in Canada for heroin possession. He says giving up drinking was an adjustment, but I didn't notice any difference really except for I don't drink. Um... Uh-huh. Yeah, you do. You you drink wine and beer. <laughs> yeah, I've completely given up drinking, except for liquor. I've given up everything else. Richards tells Rolling Stone that the uh, band shows earlier this year it was interesting to play sober. <laughs> Fellow Rolling Stone Ronnie Woods adds, "We're weaving guitar parts a lot more con- uh, conscientiously now. We're in our seventies, but we're still rocking like we're forty year olds." You know, he says Richards is now much more mellow and a pleasure to work with. Wood says getting sober in 2010 left him in the right place to deal with life events, including the birth of his twin daughters in 2016. And how old is Woods? He's got to be 75 too. Birth of his twin daughters? I don't know if you know this, JB, but people can keep having babies when they're old. <laughs> well, yeah. men can. Well, didn't I, I think? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that Mick fathered a baby even not too long ago. Yeah, right? he did. I want to say it was like two or three years my ago. My question maybe? is why? <laughs> because you're rich and you're Mick Jagger. Why not? If I if I had unlimited money and resources, 
She'd be pregnant all the time. <laughs> all the time, JB. That's all I'm saying. The, the great line from Groucho Marx. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love my cigar too, but I t- take it out of my mouth every once in a while. <laughs> He says, I got a, a second chance, and my little girl's in a whole new life is so much better now. He says, I think Keith is seeing that kind of thing as well. He cut down slowly, and now, you know, good luck to him. If he's going to keep it up, I'll be there full support. Earlier this year, Richards apologized to Mick Jagger for a vasectomy joke. A vasectomy joke? Yeah, because apparently even Keith Richards thinks, enough's enough. Mm-hmm. Keith Richards, here's the uh, story behind that from t- March this year. The lads probably never saw this coming when they formed a band back in 1962, but Keith Richards just had to apologize to Mick Jagger over a vasectomy joke. It seems the Rolling Stone guitarist got a little flippant in a recent interview with the Wall Street Journal in regard to the 74-year-old Jagger, whose eighth child came along in 2016. It's time for the snip. You can't be a father at that age, said Richards. Those poor kids. The two have a long history of animosity, notes Washington Post, but this joke seemed to go too far. I deeply regret the comments I made about Mick in the Wall Street Journal, which were completely out of line, Richards tweeted. I have, of course, apologized to him in, the, in person. The apology comes as the band extends its no-filter tour to include the Stones' first concerts in Britain in five years per the Rolling Stones. They're going to be hitting, I think they're coming to the United States in 2019. Well- but the joke fits the no filter right. tour because yeah right you're not filtering right but it also fits just naturally mm-hmm. the guy's seventy four years old yeah the kids aren't going to have a dad yeah well, I have a sister that's one year younger than me and age fifth and age forty five forty six she had a kid right it's impressive and I, and I said. What are you thinking about? Right. <laughs> I mean, my kid was great to get out of high school, and she had some boys that were a few years younger than him. And I was like, what are you two thinking of? Well, we we took a picture at Hallmark. There was this baby frame, and it said, uh, it was a really cute baby frame, and it said, uh, uh, created in 2018, and it was a sonogram picture. And we took a picture. I said, this make a great gift item. And the the internet melted down. Everybody's like, congratulations. And so we had to make a separate video going, no, <laughs> no, no, no babies. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Even if I was filthy rich, I don't know if we'd go after more kids. No, well, if we were filthy rich, we would travel. <laughs> we'd yeah. get, got, get a nanny. Yeah, we have 11 kids between the two of us. Right. So maybe one more just to round it out oh, to a nice no. 12. <laughs> well, with my we luck, make... you'd be like Octomom for that one. <laughs> Or make a baker's dozen. Yeah, your, your four-foot frame would pump out 13 more babies, and that's oh, exactly what I don't no. need to have happen. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying. Uh, since we're in the, the holiday festive mood, let's talk about the guy that spent $4,000 on a giant statue to give his entire town the middle finger. <laughs> We've all been treated unfairly by others and dreamed of getting revenge. You imagine the perfect comeback to splinter their soul and the perfect plot to punish them for mistreating you. Then they'll be sorry. Then they'll pay. They'll all pay. <laughs> But you don't actually do any of it. You just kind of move on with your life. Well, one man in Westford, Vermont, decided to retaliate against his enemies in the most hilarious of ways. Ten years ago, Ted Pelkey wanted to build an 8,000-square-foot garage so he could move his truck repair and uh, monofilament recycling business to his own property, rather than working in the nearby town of Swanton. Doesn't sound like a big deal, right? But unfortunately, the West Ford uh, Select Board and Development Review Board blocked him from getting a permit. 
The battle continued for a decade as town leaders kept saying no over and over and over again. It's not clear why authorities kept denying Pauke's request, but finally he could take it no more. The disgruntled 54-year-old decided to show town officials exactly what he thought of them by commissioning a giant statue of a middle finger. And just so we do know, it's not just the middle finger. It's the entire hand Mm -hmm. given one of these, right? Mm -hmm. So he's got the entire hand. Uh, The monument was constructed out of 700 pounds of block pine. It sits atop a 16-foot pole and cost $4,000. That's a lot of money to flip someone the finger, but the gesture is priceless. Oh, there's uh, the icing on the cake, too. Pelkey put up two floodlights, so the statue is visible (laughs) all day. And all night. I've been put through the ringer by these people, and it's just not right, Pelkey told Boston.com. I haven't been treated fairly at all. I was sitting at a bar and said to my wife, hey, I want to get a statue made of a middle finger, and I'm just going to put it up on the lawn. (laughs) Pelkey thought that uh, town officials would force him to take it down, but unfortunately, they cannot. Westford banned billboards, but since the giant middle finger statue is not advertising a business, it falls under the category of public art and is therefore protected oh. by free speech. Pelkey's reaction to that news? The most wonderful thing I've ever been told in my <laughs> life. However, the West Ford native uh, wants everyone to know the middle finger is directed at the people who crossed him, not the entire town. <laughs> Yeah, you don't want to finger the entire right. town, just just the bad people. It was critical to me to make sure that my neighbors and the people who live in this town understand that I didn't put up that finger for them, explains Pelkey. It's aimed directly at the people who sit in our town office. I'm not trying to cause hate and animosity to the people who live in the town because they're very good people in that town. All the people are very good people. And you're one of the good people, Ted Pelkey. That's, uh, that's how the article wraps up. But, oh, my God, this is... That's it. How mad do you have to get? Seriously, that's very mad. That's that's all kinds of mad. Yeah, I think it would have been better if it was a statue of himself given the finger. Yeah, it's kind of interesting that it isn't. <laughs> yeah, it probably would have cost more. Yeah, with this, it's just a hand and the mm-hmm. the flipping of the bird. But I love that he put up two spotlights so that the, <laughs> yeah, the town lights. cannot escape it day yeah. or night. It's always lit up for him. Just like the American flag, you have to if you want it flying at night, you got to light it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, JB, you were talking a little bit earlier about helping somebody out who was in need of a job and just didn't have the clothing for it, right? Right. And donating. Well, here's a guy in Florida. He was recently arrested after he allegedly stole two pairs of sneakers from a department store just minutes after having a job interview there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Lord. Deputies in Hernando County arrested Dominic Breedlove. Sounds like a great porn name, doesn't (laughs) it? For real. Dominic Breedlove in Large Ass Chick Park coming this <laughs> summer. Charge him with retail theft after the incident Wednesday afternoon at a coal store in Spring Hill, located north of Tampa. According to NBC affiliate WFLA, 24-year-old Breedlove went into the store shortly after the interview and started looking at a Nike display for women's shoes that did not have security tags. Breedlove left the store and later returned with a bag from a previous trip. A loss prevention officer called the Hernando County Sheriff's Office after seeing Breedlove put the sneakers worth a combined $150 inside the bag after leaving the store. Uh, Officers arrested Breedlove on his way to his car where he told deputies that he had planned to gift the shoes to his mother. Oh, yeah. It's just like that old Christmas shoe song. Yeah, for real. (laughs) No, my mother's passing away. You don't understand. I I couldn't afford it. I needed to get her two pairs of Nikes. I have a sneaky feeling that the job interview didn't go well. Well, Let's find out. Breedlove was booked into jail with a $500 bond. 
Needless to say, he did not get the job. Mm. Well, I'm telling Darn. you, I thought that was the reason why he stole him because the no, interview. he had just left the interview. Right, but and I'm then on the saying, way out, he's like, "I need to look good for my new job," and he took some shoes. Well, but Sounds my like thought was the interview was so brutal. He's like, "I'm never going to get this job," so might as well just steal. Might as well just steal. Is that so? That's the push line for mm, yeah. you. I'm not going to get the job anyway. I might as well steal something. So, right. Yeah. Or right. I really but it's for wanted my mom. this. I really wanted this job to buy some sneakers for my mom, and I'm not going to get the job, so no. I'm going to steal them. <laughs> well, I put out the call on our show, and if this guy really was trying to just get up the money to buy shoes for his mom, I said, once he gets out, I'll be happy to pay for the shoes. And his mom sighs and have them sent to her for the holidays. Just a little I love you, mom gift. I understand that. Mm-hmm. I understand that. I, uh, I don't think I would have ever shoplifted for my mom. I no. No. I mean, I even tried to send gifts to my mother, like flowers. Uh-huh. One eight, well, certain companies wouldn't deliver to the, that neighborhood. Really? really? Yeah. Wow. How about then just moving your mom out of that neighborhood, JB? Mm. <laughs> there was a house that her and my dad got you. Yeah. You know, and she didn't. They want wouldn't to move. deliver to that neighborhood, right? Which well, wasn't a, you know, yeah, god awfully bad neighborhood. I mean, sure. there was. I mean, it, it's just like. From uh, block to block, some were, this block is sketchy, this block is great, this block is sketchy. But they mm-hmm. wouldn't even send a truck or anything through there to, to like, just dump the flowers on the street and take off. <laughs> Here's your flowers, bye. <laughs> They're all scattered Your mom just hears, <laughs> as he lays on the horn driving on the street and chucks them out the window. They wouldn't even do that. So I literally had to send them to, like, my brother's house who lived in a suburb. A suburb, and he would then deliver them. Well, you, you went the extra mile. Yeah. Literally yeah. and figuratively. JB, thank you. It's good yeah. to see you again. You too. I don't know if I'll see you before the holidays. You Have too. a very Merry Christmas you to you and same. your family. Thank you all for tuning in. Tommy B., we hope you're resting well and heal quickly. We'll see you back in studio next Monday. Thank you all for tuning in. Remember to check out my show. You can find more information about me at darknessradio.com. I'm Dave Schrader, and this is The Tom Bernard Show. Hey.